0: our Bibles and turn to 1st Thessalonians chapter number 2 1st Thessalonians chapter 2 and I do want to say once again happy Mother's Day to all the moms in the room and all the moms who are watching online you know as I was thinking about Mother's Day and I was thinking about my own mom uh, I have some stories that whenever we get together and we talk about my childhood there are some stories that always that always come up. In particular, there are three. So one of them was, whenever I was in kindergarten, uh, my first year of school, uh, I was I was homeschooled, and my mom was my teacher, and she was one of those, like, uh, we called her the dragon lady. Uh, she was like the super <laughs> intense teacher, and, and I remember one particular day, I'm doing my schoolwork at the table, and we never got things like, re- I never got things like recess, But on one particular day, uh, my mom says, all right, David, you can have a break now. So I got excited. It was like my first break in uh, forever. And I was excited. And I just, I had all these dreams of what I was going to do with my break. I told her I was going to go outside. I was going to ride my bike. I was looking forward to going and playing in the woods by my house. And uh, I had all of my plans for what I was going to do. So I ran to the living room, I tied my shoes, and I went to the front door. I put my hand on the doorknob and she goes, okay, break's over. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that certainly comes up when we talk about my childhood. Uh, another one of my our stories was uh, uh, whenever I was in second grade, we switched from being homeschooled to going to our churches. Christian school and one day I was on my way to school and our neighbors also went to the school so they were they were actually taking us to school this on this particular day and like always we were, we were running late and I've always had uh, I've always had uh, nasal sinus sinus issues so whenever I was a kid I took uh, Nasanex. So it's one of those nasal sprays, you stick it in your nose, you squirt this whatever, the solution in your nose, and it's supposed to help you with your sinuses. So on this particular day, we're running late, uh, the car is outside, and I get ready to run out, and she goes, okay, let me get you your Nasonex. And she goes and gets ready to squirt it in my nose, but her finger slipped off of the top part, and she shoves the nasonex, uh, the Nasonex thing, up my nose, stabbed my brain, and uh, to this day, if I say something weird, then just forgive me. I have a brain damage because my mother stabbed my brain, and I'm still recovering from that from that event. So one of the other ones, one of the other ones, and you're gonna have to forgive my singing, but uh on this one. But around Christmas time, uh we had we had direct TV at our house, and every year on channel, I think if I remember right, 103 there was Christmas worship music that would play. So we just, we absolutely loved it. We played it at the house all the time. And there was always this one particular song uh, by the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. Uh, And I just remember it, like we all remember it. Uh, And I was talking about it with my sister, Sarah, the other day, and she goes, that's the one where all the ladies in the choir wore the gold dresses, right? I was like, yeah, that's the one, that's the one. And we would would listen to it all the time, and he goes, "High and lifted up and all the earth is who you are. I lift it up as all the earth is who you are. And it goes, it goes like that. And then there's this, there's this little like refrain where they say, Oh Lord, we praise you. So, on one particular day at this point, I was in junior high, I think, and we're on our way to school. My mom was a teacher at this point. And on this day in Arkansas, it was around Christmas time. Ice is covering the windshield. I, the, the windows, all the windows have frozen shut. You can't roll them down. And we are, it is we're, we're supposed to be there at 7.45, it's 10 minutes away, and like it was every single school day, we're getting in the car at 7.37. So my is freaking out about being late, the sun is shining through the icy window, and she scraped the front to where she could see out of like just the bottom of the windshield. So the, the whole windshield is covered in ice, but there's one little spot that she can see out of, and uh, she's looking out the window, like literally, like she's leaned over, looking out the window. Uh, we're riding in the back, we are, uh, we're, it's a wonder that I'm here today and alive. And then in the back, there is my brother, and he's just going, Oh, Lord, we praise you. Oh, Lord, we praise you. And my mother, like, Jason, shut up. And we have never let her forget that one. So, those are my stories. And whenever we talk about my childhood, those stories come up. And, and uh, the reason why is because I'm sharing that is because today I think we just need a word on bitterness. I need a word on bitterness. No, I not We're not talking about bitterness today. We'll talk about that another time, and you're going to remind me of this, and I'll deal with it, and I'll repent of that then. Uh, so, no. But the reason why I shared those stories with you, honestly, is because uh, whenever I think back to my childhood, Those three stories are probably the only stories that I could give my mom a hard time about. Uh, To borrow the words from President Abraham Lincoln, uh, all that I am and ever hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. Uh, I'm thankful today that I had a mother growing up who who loved me, and that's the reason why I'm here. A mom who nurtured me and, and cared for me. A mom who, whenever I was, I was probably eight years old, and my mom was in this big choir and and a big church, and they're getting ready for like their big Christmas musical, and she has a solo. And the night before, they're doing the final rehearsal, and somebody gave me a family-sized box of mega-sized fudge rounds. And in that practice, I ate all of them (laughs) in one choir practice, and that night, I threw up every 45 minutes all night long. And instead of my mom screaming at me or being mad at me, she rubbed my back while I puked in the toilet and made a new bed for me to, made a new spot for me to sleep in. Uh, That's, that kind of love is why I'm here. Uh, It's the kind of love that whenever I was 13 and said a lot of really dumb and disrespectful things to my mom, uh, she loved me too much to just let it slide. I'm here today because whenever I was 17 my mom taught a kids class with me and when she could have done a much better job She just sat over to the side and said you're gonna let you teach this and god gave me through that class a love for People and a desire to be a pastor because I had a mom who loved me cared for me and nurtured me uh, growing up And today as we continue our study of first thessalonians where we see how to have a healthy soul how to be a picture of health spiritually, uh, we need to understand today that if if we're going to have a healthy soul, we need to nurture others like that, and we need to be nurtured like that. Today, as we celebrate Mother's Day and as we honor mothers, I want to share with you that, that I know that in this room and maybe watching online today, today can either be like a really special day or it can be a really Difficult day. It can be one of those days where you where you look at your mom like like I do. I understand that I that I'm blessed and I'm privileged because of the kind of mother that I have. Who who yesterday I I was over at her house yesterday and she was encouraging me about our church and uh, she was she was caring for me and nurturing me. And maybe you have a mom like that, and maybe you are a mom like that. Praise God for that. Maybe you're watching online today, and, and today it's a hard day for you, either because you've had to say goodbye to your mother in the past, or maybe because you feel like you don't have a mother like that. Today, as we look at First Thessalonians 2, the apostle Paul writes, and he says, uh, he says, hey, I'm setting an example for you that you should set, that you should follow in the church. And it's to do this. It's to nurture others like a mother nurtures her children. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And uh, if you're following along and you've got the book, we are in page number 5. Page number 5 in our book with all the notes. 1 Thessalonians 2, and we're going to go back to verse number 5. It says, For neither at any time used we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is our witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others when we might have been burdensome as the apostles as the apostles of christ he says but we were gentle we were gentle among you even as a nurse or a, a nursing mother cherisheth her children so being affectionately desirous of you we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of god only but also our own souls because you were dear unto us. Today in our text, what we find is this. We find that a healthy soul nurtures and is nurtured by others. Let's pray, and we'll dive into God's word this morning. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your love and your grace, and thank you uh, for in your wisdom and in your providence you gave us, you gave us mothers. Lord, today I pray that you would help us as we look into your word to take the example of good and loving mothers and that we would apply them to our lives so that we uh, can love more like you. You made, you made women, you made God in your image. You told us so in Genesis 1. And the way that a mother loves her children is the way that you love us. So Lord, I pray that you help us to understand that and be motivated by that love and help us to love others in the same way. In Jesus name, amen. There's four truths that I wanna share to you today about nurturing, and the first one is this, is that a healthy soul nurtures selflessly. A healthy soul nurtures selflessly. Look with me back in verse number five, it says, for neither at any time used we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is our witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle, we were gentle among you. And we see in our text, first of all, that when Paul is writing to this church, he's saying the example that we set for you that you need to follow is that we nurtured you selflessly. You remember last week, whenever we walked through, when we walked through chapter two, the beginning of it, where, where Paul says, Hey, listen, you know how the, the the priests of idols, the priests of false gods, they would come into town and they would take advantage of you. Uh, You know how these these false priests, these false preachers would come in, and they wanted to get money out of you, and they wanted to be immoral, and they wanted to take advantage of you in different ways. But we didn't come into town like that. We came in with with purity. We came in sharing the gospel, and we came in uh, ready to give to you of ourselves. And then in verse number 6, he says, he continues that thought. We didn't seek glory uh, we didn't seek to get something from you, even though we have the right uh, to, to ask you for things. We didn't do it. And then in verse number seven, he says, But we were gentle among you. We were gentle among you. And what we see through all, all of this, in 1 Thessalonians 2, what he said up till this point is, Hey, wait, we had some rights, but we put them aside for your benefit. Uh, we ministered to you selflessly. And isn't that how uh, a mother Ministers, I, I have three. I have three beautiful children. I have three beautiful kids, and uh, and with all of them, all of them, I think for us this is like. Top secret, like your church family. So we're just going to share with you. Uh, I think we're done. I think we're do- I think we're done having kids because honestly, like I can't handle. I can't handle anymore. I've got three, and I'm like, and you know what? Like where they're at now at, at five and three and Witten is turning one uh, on what is today? I think he's turning one on Thursday. Uh, he's turning one on on this upcoming Thursday. So I love my kids and they're awesome. But that that first year. Is and I'm not even the one doing the heavy lifting. Uh, I'm definitely not, so I don't have any right to complain. But I just like, man, they are exhausting. They're exhausting. And whenever I think about those first couple of those first couple of months, you know, whenever the baby's waking up at, at ten o'clock at night crying and midnight crying and two o'clock crying and four o'clock crying and six o'clock crying. And, and all of that's going on. You know, I was thinking about you know, babies, they have nothing to offer. All they do is is cry. And all they do is eat. And all they do is fill diapers. Like that's, that's all they do. Like literally they are there in that first, I don't know how long. So those of you who have grown children, you let me know when they stop sucking the life out of you. Uh, just let me know. Uh, so I got the days. Uh, but uh, about what, what they are in those early, some of you are saying it's, it's still going on. I have kids. I have kids that are out of the house and they're still sucking the life out of me. Uh, but especially in that, those early days where we're getting up all throughout all throughout the night, and it's just exhausted. And the only reason why Adrian and the only reason why you moms would, would get up out of bed and you would, you would feed that baby in the middle of the night when all that your body wants to do, all that your mind wants to do is sleep as a selfless love as a selfless love. And here's what Paul is saying. He said, hey, when we came into town, whenever we started preaching the gospel to you, we weren't thinking of ourselves. And if we were thinking of ourselves, whenever we left Philippi, we would have just gone back home where it was comfortable, where we wouldn't have to worry about being beaten across the back, where we wouldn't have to be, where we wouldn't have to worry about being put in prison. But we came into town... For your benefit, we were gentle to you because we love you, and that's the, the healthy soul that nurtures. They don't nurture out of a selfish ambition; they nurture out of selflessness. They nurture out of love. And what? And whenever I, whenever I look at that, whenever I think about that, the the greatest example of this that we see in all of Scripture happened the night before the crucifixion. You remember the night before Jesus was crucified. How did he spend his last? 24 hours before his before his death before his crucifixion at the last table he broke bread with his with his followers with his disciples and then what did he do after they ate he, t- he took a towel and he wrapped it around himself and he kneeled in front of each of his disciples and he began to wash their feet like a servant. Then he leaves that whenever I I know that if I was about to suffer something uh, terrible, I would spend my last 24 hours focused on myself, either trying uh, trying to put off the thoughts of the pain that I would endure or I would just sulk. But Jesus didn't do that. We see in John 17, Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. And what does he do? He prays for his disciples. And he prays for you and for me. And what does Jesus do in the last night before his crucifixion? He is, he is nurturing, he is caring for, he is loving selflessly. Could I ask you this question this morning? Your life, is it characterized by selfishness or selflessness? A healthy soul nurtures selflessly. But not only do we see that a healthy soul nurtures selflessly, but we also see that a healthy soul nurtures personally. A healthy soul nurtures personally. Paul continues this thought in telling them that, that, hey, we were gentle among you. And he says, even as a nurse cherishes her children. Here's literally what he is saying. He said, just like, uh, like a mother who is, who is breastfeeding and cherishes her child, that's the way that we work towards you. Now, to me, that's a little bit of a strange word picture, but it's also a beautiful word picture. Because this, I, this word cherish... This word here, "cherish," in the text means to, the, the idea that what they would have understood it to mean is the way that a mom warms her baby while she's feeding it with her own body heat. That's what it meant to, to cherish. When you had a baby that was a baby that was cold and shivering, the mom would use her own body heat to warm up that baby. And whenever he says "cherishing," that is what he is talking about. You can't do that, uh, you can't do that from a distance. That's up close and personal. That's holding that baby close as you feed that baby. And you say, hey, that's the way that we were towards you. It's, it's personal. Can I tell you this morning that you can impress, we can impress people from a distance, but we can only impact people up close. And whenever it comes to, to my life and, and my sphere of influence, I wanna make sure that I am nurturing personally. My desire in, in my own life is that the, 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 the people who know me best would love me and respect me the most. You know, I can go through, I can go through life and I can be around a lot of people and I can impress people. Uh, some of us, we don't know each other super well. Maybe I could stand up here and I could, I could maybe impress you a little bit, but my desire is that the, the kids who live in my house, the, uh, my wife who lives in my house, the people who are with me day in and day out, they would look at the way that, that I reach out and the way that I love like Jesus, and they would, they would be impacted, not just impressed. Whenever people look at you at work and the way that you care about them, and I know that so many of you have a desire to be salt and light in your workplace, to to reach people with the gospel, can I tell you that, that, hey, people don't care how much we know until they know how much we care, until they see that personal nurturing where we say, hey, you know what, more than just uh, working that nine to five, I'm actually going to care about, hey, how are things going with you at home? Hey, is there anything that I can... Pray for you about it, and you're actually nurturing and actually caring personally. That's not something that you can do. Uh, that's not something that you can do at a distance. And honestly, in our community and in our neighborhood, one of the greatest opportunities that we have to make a difference in our neighborhood church family, the, 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 opportun- the biggest opportunity that we have to reach people with the gospel is not this hour. It's not Sunday morning from 10.30 to 11.30. The, the best opportunity to reach uh, your neighbors and your family members with the gospel is not getting them to church. The best opportunity for you, believer, to make a difference in your community is for you to personally love and care for the people in your life, to, for you personally with, uh, with your life and with your words to preach the gospel to them in love to actually care about their soul, and this is definitely a part of it, and and church is vitally important, and I believe that there's power in preaching the word of God, and you know, especially if you've been here more than two weeks, that I preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, and if there's a lot, if you bring a lost person to this service who doesn't know Jesus, they're going to hear that, hey, religion says that, hey, you have to do a bunch of good works to get to God, but the Bible teaches That we never, we could never get to God on our own. We could never be good enough. We could never work hard enough. We could never be religious enough to please, uh, to wipe away our sins. So since we couldn't get to God, the Bible says that God sent down his son for you and for me, and Jesus lived the perfect life that you and I could never live, so that he who knew no sin became sin for us, so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, and you know that we... By week, as we go through the Word of God, we're seeing how all of this points to the Lord Jesus Christ. But can I tell you something? That the greatest opportunity to reach people is you being salt and light, you loving like Jesus, you actually caring for people and nurturing personally, nurturing personally. We see that a healthy soul nurtures, a healthy soul nurtures selflessly, a healthy soul nurtures personally. But then I want you to notice that a healthy soul nurtures completely. A healthy soul nurtures completely. He says we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth for children. So in like manner being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you, not the gospel of God only but also our own souls. So being affectionately desirous of you, we are willing to have imparted unto you, not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls. A healthy soul nurtures completely. And this was amazing to me. I I looked up this word in part. Uh, I I looked up this word in part and uh, I found this to be a really interesting, a really interesting word because the idea of the word is to share. So he says that we imparted to you, we, we shared with you the gospel of God, but not just the gospel, not just the good news. We shared with you, we imparted unto you our own souls. And then as I was looking at this word part, I looked at all the other places that it is in Scripture. And here's what I found. What I found is whenever I talked about sharing, in almost every example of sharing, it, it, it uses this word to talk about sharing <clears> through Sharing food. So you know, I, I'm a I'm a pretty generous. I feel like I'm a, I feel like I'm a pretty generous person. You know, if you if you need something from me, I'm, I'm happy to share with you. But I find where I have the most trouble sharing is at the dinner table. You know, I've got I have my glass I have my glass of Pepsi, like every like every good Christian should. Sorry, that, that was a joke. Uh, I have my glass of Pepsi. I have my food. It's it's good. And then there is my son Witten. <laughs> and Witten, uh, you know, he's great, but Witten doesn't care to have his own food. He wants the food that's on your plate. Especially if there's bread, and especially if there's, uh, especially if there's Pepsi. Like, he is, he's a man after my own heart. He loves it. But, you know, I have a little bit of trouble sharing that stuff. Because once I share it, my idea of sharing was, hey, you know, Jaden, I'll share with you my jacket, and then you give it back to me later. But this sharing food, when you share food, you don't want it back. You don't want it back. And whenever, and the examples of imparting, this example of sharing, most of the time when you look in Scripture, is this example of sharing food. You're sharing something, you're giving something, but you're not getting it back. And here's what he says to them. He said, we imparted to you the gospel. That's something that that the more you give it out, the more it it impacts you, the more it shapes you. You can can give it, you can share it, but you don't lose it. But then he says, we didn't just share with you the gospel. We shared with you our own souls. We we gave you our our time. We gave gave you, you, when you needed something, we were there. Hey, whenever, hey, whenever, whenever you had someone who was, who was hurting and sick and you needed that prayer, those prayers, hey, we, we got up in the middle of the night and we went to go, we went to go be with you. Hey, whenever, hey, whenever you had, whenever you were having a tough day and you just needed prayer, hey, we dropped everything and we were there for you. We weren't just happy. And he says, the word he says is willing, that we're actually, uh, today, that's more of the idea of wanting. Like, we didn't just, we weren't just willing, like, uh, we weren't just willing, like, hey, you know what, fine, I'm willing, I'm willing to come over, uh, it's the idea of wanting. Hey, we were excited. We were excited to share with you the gospel, and we were willing to give you, to impart to you our souls, to impart to you ourselves. And that's something that you don't get back, that you don't get back time. You don't get it back. But he's saying we, we love, and we were excited, and we were willing. Not to just preach to you a message. We wanted to preach, we wanted to give you ourselves. And isn't that the way that God gave when God wanted to save the world, He didn't give the world a spokesperson. He gave the world His Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. He gave completely, He gave His own Son. And then I want you to notice finally in our text that a healthy soul nurtures selflessly. Nurtures personally, nurtures completely, and then finally, I want you to notice that a healthy soul nurtures supernaturally. Supernaturally. Mm-hmm. Supernatural. Look with me in verse number uh, verse number eight. It says so, being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls. Why? Because you were dear unto us. Because you were dear unto us. <clears throat> He said, hey, we were happy to do this because we love you so much. Now, here is why that is supernatural. For those of you who have been here for the whole series, go back to week number one. How long was the Apostle Paul with these people? Anybody remember? You can talk to me on this one. Three weeks for three Saturdays, three Sabbath days, he was with them. For for at the max, for the for the at the max, he was there with them for a month. Yet he said that, hey, I grew to love you so much. I grew to love you so much. That 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 I was that that we were desirous of you, we were willing to give everything for you because you were dear to us. The only way that that happens, the only way that you have that kind of love, is if God is stepping into that love. If God is giving you that love, if God is is moving within you with that kind of love, that's something that only God can do. That's something that only God can do, that you would be willing to give up everything for a group of people. That kind of love is something that God produces within people, and I'm thankful that God produces that, that the Holy Spirit of God moves and He works within us through, through the Holy Spirit's working in people's lives God changed the world through 12 unlearned, ignorant men. Men who didn't go to school, who didn't go to Bible college, who didn't go to seminary. They changed the world because the Holy Spirit moved and worked in their lives. And what we see here is that that Paul says, hey, we ministered to you, we labored, we imparted the gospel, we imparted ourselves because you were so dear to us, because that's something that only God can do. It's something that only the work of the gospel can accomplish in our lives, so that the world is transformed because of a supernatural love that God gives to you and to me. The fruit of the Spirit is love. That is love. And that's a gift. This idea of of nurturing, this idea of of having someone pour their life into me, having someone disciple me, that idea of me going to someone who's who's not even necessarily a family member and pouring my life into that person with a supernatural love of God, that is something that only God can produce. And that's because that's the kind of love that he has, and more than that, that's the kind of love that he has. Bible says, "Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love." And as we close this service, I'm not just giving you. I'm not just telling you, "Hey, we need to start nurturing," and "Hey, just try harder to nurture." I'm saying we can we can nurture people, and we can be nurtured because that's the love. That's the kind of nurturing and love that God gives to us. I've shared this, I've shared this story with you before. Um, I've shared this story with you with you before if you've been here for a while, but around Christmas time, and you'll probably hear this again, one of my favorite stories to share is the best Christmas gift that I ever got when I was a kid. Uh, it was Christmas morning, and we lived out, you gotta understand, we lived in like middle of nowhere Tennessee at this point, and it's Christmas morning, we leave our bedroom, we go, uh, we go to the living room where where the where the gifts usually are. And there was the gift, like the main the, the main gift that my parents would give every year, it wasn't in the living room, it was the backyard. And my parents gave us chocolate for Christmas. But I'm not talking about Snickers, I'm not talking about Kit Cats, it was a miniature pony. Adriana it gives me a hard time. Like, how spoiled are you? Like, your parents actually gave you a pony for Christmas. Everyone talks about it. Your parents actually gave you one for Christmas. But for us, there was actually, like, chocolate. Uh, that's what we named her. And if she ever had, like, little ponies, what do you call those? I guess ponies. Uh, then we are going to chip, cookie, and dill. We've got problems. But that's what we are going on there. Chocolate, chip, cookie, and dill. But, you know, as I look back on my life, I'm thinking, Man, what a crazy... Amazing gift. What a crazy amazing gift that my parents would give me, that my parents would get us, us for uh, a horse for Christmas. And by the way, the horse turned out to be a jerk, like, tried to kill Sarah a couple times. Uh, but but it was cool. It was cool. We got a horse for Christmas. You know, what an amazing gift. I remember Paul gives an example of nurturing. The fact that we don't, we don't just say, hey, you know what, there's no way that I could love like that. There's no way I could nurture like that. There's no way I could be, be so selfless with, with people. Like, yeah, okay, I could be selfless with my family, but to be selfless with, with my coworker, uh, to, to actually like personally care for my neighbor, to actually, to actually do these things, that, that's impossible. Maybe for an unbeliever it is, but for those of us who have the Holy Spirit of God, God has given us a wonderful gift. He gave us the Lord Jesus Christ, who was the perfect and beautiful example of love, who selflessly gave himself to pay for your sins and to pay for my sins so that we could have a relationship with God. And we say this all the time around here is that Christianity is about a relationship. Christianity is about that Jesus gave himself so that we could have a restored relationship with God. And because Christianity is so relational in its nature, then we can love and we can nurture selflessly, personally, supernaturally empowered by God. Because that's the kind of love that he loved you with, and that's the gift that he gives to you and to me. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for... The selfless, the selfless example of mothers, and how Paul uses that example in the Scripture today. And Lord, I pray that you help us, just like, just like a nursing mom, or we'll get up through the middle.